You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, uh, marketing and what, what B2B SaaS companies <laughs> nope, we made. Nope, jumping in. You know, we're going so. for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> hey, welcome to episode 29 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. Today, Stein and I are talking about a simple tool that team leaders can use to enable their sales success and marketing teams to make rapid decisions about discounts, promotions, um, special terms, concessions, things like that, without having to get individual approval each time. So Stein likes to call it an empowerment matrix, and it's designed to act as a reference for your team um, when they're trying to close deals so that they can see the specific types of concessions they're allowed to use um, depending on their role. So as your team scales, you'll, you know, I think you definitely want to make sure that you have something like this in place um, so that your team is actually enabled to make discounting decisions really quickly, but then also has a really clear set of rules to follow when doing so, so that they're not going too far um, out of the coloring outside the lines too much, so to speak, um, so that you're pricing integrity stays intact. So we, today we go into the theory behind it and talk a little bit about some of the specific line items and concessions that you should be including in your empowerment matrix. And I think it's a good one. All right, let's jump into it. Why do you need an empowerment matrix to manage your sales team? And how do you manage sales empowerment? Yeah. Okay, so obviously as a, you know, a, a company grows, and your sales team has new targets to hit. And same with customer success. Uh, they're probably gold on upsells and retention and sales is gold on you know, net new deals. Um, at some point, you're probably gonna run into the issue where you have sales wanting to discount the product and maybe customer service as well on upsells uh, in order to hit some of those targets and um, Obviously, there's there's probably a fine line that needs to be ridden uh, when it comes to discounts versus maintaining, um, you know, product pricing. I'm wondering. Um, it looks like on in the book you have in chapter six point two what you call an empowerment matrix, and I'm wondering if you can give a little bit of detail into what that is and how it's used. Maybe we can have a little conversation around that. Yeah, it's it's a topic that I've been very passionate about for probably now 12 or 15, 12 or 13 years. Uh, when I was at Microsoft in the Netherlands, I ran sales uh, there for, for uh, part of the Dutch market and managing discount levels um, and making sure that when we give discounts that we got something valuable in return was an extremely important part of optimizing the, um, the outcomes. We talked in another episode about salespeople being the, the best salespeople being relatively lazy. Uh, they're also wired for, you know, to find the path of least resistance and to close a deal. And which then includes, is there anything that my customer, my prospect is asking for that I can say yes to, uh, to allow us to move forward. And those are not just discounts, by the way, right? It could be certain terms, payment terms around, you know, financial terms. Uh, intellectual property exceptions. Uh, who owns what type of intellectual property that may get, you know, developed during an engagement? 
risk and liability uh, terms, right? To either limit those or to expand on those, to have certain level of insurance. All those things can be part of the sales negotiation and thus the sales team will have sometimes a desire to, to get and to be empowered to be flexible in those areas. And some of those things are important to be able to do, but it's good to be thoughtful about what those are, especially when you're a services organization, a SaaS company, software as a service. You don't want to, for example, um, treat uh, concessions on your terms or your um, pricing uh, for the ongoing service the same way as you treat things that are one time, right? A one time discount is, of course, very different on a perpetual license, for example, uh, than a discount on your ongoing SaaS fee that will have impact for the next 5, 10, 15 years, right? During the lifetime of your customer. So, what I like to do. Um, when you think of B2B SaaS companies needing to optimize ARPU, average revenue per unit, per customer, per user, mm -hmm. uh, to drive T2D3 growth, to be able to do exponential growth, um, you need to have an empowerment matrix in place. An empowerment matrix being kind of a model that says between all the different roles in my commercial organization, whether it's a marketing team member who wants to run a certain promotion, or it's a sales team member who wants to give a certain discount or, or maybe uh, provide special payment terms, or it's a customer success manager who wants to do, maybe be flexible on when a certain price increase gets enforced on a renewal. All those things have to be defined in that empowerment matrix that clearly lays out which roles can approve um, discounts, term uh, exceptions up to what level. Right, and if they don't have the empowerment to make that decision, who is then sort of the next in the approval sequence who, who needs to be um, included uh, up to maybe the CEO of the company or even the board maybe for certain exceptions when it comes to, for example, intellectual property or an OEM agreement where you maybe you're giving up exclusivity for a full part of the world, right, the whole market. And then maybe the CEO is not even empowered to do that. It has to go to the board. So that's what the empowerment matrix is. Uh, Mike, um, and just to sort of maybe one step back on why is this so critical for what we like to call the T2D3 growth path is that because if you want to grow your revenue exponentially, you need to do three things at the same time. You need to grow your customer um, acquisition capabilities so get more new customers faster, right? reduce you know, funnel friction, optimize conversion rates, things like that. At the same time, you need to get your churn under control, improve customer retention, right? So that all these new customers that you're adding are not walking out the back door. You need to do those two things, but then you need to do a third thing, which is ARPU expansion. You need to improve the amount of revenue that you get per unit, yeah, per customer, per user, per device. Uh, and, and the empowerment matrix is an important instrument to do so, especially when your sales team and your customer success team is growing and your marketing team who are maybe doing certain uh, promotions. Um, that's why this is such a critical topic. So you listed a couple of things earlier about, you know, the things that you can kind of negotiate on or, or, or you know, give as a um, as an exception. So you have um, unique payment terms, you've got um, discount on a few different things. You can discount on services. So like implementation services and things like that, you can discount on the actual SaaS fee. 
Um, I know a lot of larger companies will bake in an escalator to account for inflation and also things like product improvements, because obviously software is a service. Yeah. Product's always improving, so larger you know, enterprise deals will bake in an escalator to account for that product. It's like your rent goes up every year. Right. <laughs> so you can waive some of those or you can reduce them. Um, you can give discounts on licenses or thresholds. Um, anything else? I know that there's one um, that I've used in the past, which is um, in return for a, a discount on the first year, we uh, required that the customer measure a certain number of um, metrics that they got from, so bef- like, you know, results, time to process something before implementing and then time to process after so that we could build a case study around it and they agreed to, you know, uh, give us permission to use their uh, their story as a case study. So that's one that I've used in the past. Are there any other examples that you can think of on, on things that could be, I guess, used as um, negotiation tools? Well, yeah, things that come up that customers ask for, I think you listed the most important ones, right? What do I pay for the service today and ideally ongoing? How do I limit your ability to increase those fees over time uh-huh. or get some kind of lock-in or price guarantee? Uh, a discount on professional services to get going or to do custom, in, custom, you know, customizations, which of course, as a SaaS company, always want to limit that, right? You want to make products that are usable by all your clients instead of doing a one-offs, but sometimes that's needed and those then could be part of your uh, negotiation to discount those. Um, Better to discount professional services than discount your product. And then there's all these exceptions around intellectual property, uh, payment terms uh, or risk and liability terms in your either your EULA, your end user license agreement, or your SaaS license agreement, your user agreement, um, that are more about, you know, who pays for what if something bad happens, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who pays for, uh, whether it's outages, service level agreements, whether it's the risk of in, the indemnification of infringing on other parties' intellectual property. Um, there's so many terms and conditions that could come to that sort of negotiation table. Um, so that, that all falls under sort of the terms and conditions in your typical EULA or user agreement. Intellectual property is usually only an issue when the product is sold as a platform and your customers are building capabilities on top of that. They want to make sure that they own that, right? Or at least there's, there's, there's joint ownership, so no, no party is limited in how they keep innovating their own products. Uh, so those are key things that I don't think can ever be negotiated by an individual sales rep. It has to go up to probably the chief revenue officer or even the CEO. Uh, so those are kind of the three buckets, like payment terms. Yeah, you can. those are not very different from giving discounts on the servers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pay, pay a little bit later or pay in multiple instances. So I think there you can give your sales team a little bit of empowerment or your customer success managers. When it comes to risk and liability exceptions, I would limit it, but there may be, you may be able to do a little bit to give your commercial team some flexibility in taking on a little more risk or allowing, for example, um, the legal proceedings take place in the home state of the customer instead of in your home state. Those are not that big of a deal, right? So you can list sort of what you allow your commercial team to do. Intellectual property, I don't think should ever be delegated to anybody other than the CEO. 
Um, but then let's talk about a couple that are more fringe uh, that I've seen, Mike. But early stage SaaS companies might encounter these actually sooner than they um, than later. One is uh, OEM agreements or white label agreements. So if you have someone on your team doing business development that includes um, relatively custom partnerships with parties who would like white label your product and go to market in a certain vertical on your behalf, you know, where they brand it or where they do the marketing and the sales and even the services. Um, that, of course, constitutes very specific agreements that will require a lot of empowerment trade-offs, like how much uh, does your business development uh, VP, for example, uh, how much empowerment does he or she have to to negotiate exclusivity with parties like, like OEMs, or white-label partners. Um, another one is, uh, I call them true-up terms. Certain customers would benefit and would actually really uh, like to have an ability to use your product more than they initially uh, envision. They want to, let's say, they buy the product for 10 users, but they want to be able to add 20, 30, 40 users over time without any friction, without having to go to you and actually find money to pay for that or have budget. And there might be a reason for you to allow for that because your um, incentive to get your customer to use your product as much as possible, right? So if they want to add more users or devices and whatever your your pay, payment uh, foundation is for your pricing model, might be in your interest, even if they don't pay right away. And then a, a term could be that at the end of the year, at the end of the billing period, you kind of, you true up, you go to your customer and say, hey, you're paying for 10 users right now. You've actually had 15 users on our system and we've allowed you to do that so that they could experience the value you can kind of test it uh, but now we have a choice to make you either have to start paying for 15 in the next billing cycle uh, or we have to take those you have to take those users off of the platform so that would be a true up uh, licensing model that's for some SaaS companies is actually very beneficial um, this is something we used at Microsoft with what's called enterprise agreements where there was an estimated usage that customers would pay for. And then if they would go over, that that's fine. You know, we wouldn't block them from doing that. But then, of course, at the end of the billing period, we would have to settle and say, hey, do you actually need all these users? And, and um, at what terms do we then start paying for those? Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot here in this topic, Mike. There's so many complexities on pricing and terms and conditions. That's why it's important to think about it and you know, to make mm -hmm. sure your, your sales, marketing, and customer success team know what they can do. Yeah. I'm a big fan of also leveraging, um, you know, agreements to do customer testimonials and things like that. Especially important early on, um, when you're, when you don't have many testimonials or you're trying to build on top of a beachhead. So you have a few existing customers. Maybe you're increasing prices, and maybe you want to give them access to the previous pricing model, um, but, you know, in exchange, they write you, you know, a testimonial or they give you a case study. I think that that especially if you're you know in the mvp or early you're just trying to start to find product market fit i think that those can be extremely beneficial um especially if you're kind of we always talk about niching down but having customer stories and testimonials from people who look like your prospects is super important because people want to be able to go into your site or wherever and see that someone else who is in their same position has the same concerns, pains, has gone through that process. They've eliminated the, um, you know, the variability, the the risk, so to speak. So, I think those are 
those are also one that I really like to, to throw in when you can. You bring up a very important point. If you give something away, you should try to get something in return. And in all these concessions, whether it's a price concession or on your terms and conditions, if you can get in return a testimonial, a quote, the willingness to be a reference, a, a video, to be a launch customer, to pilot something new and learn sure. from that, right? yeah. provide you feedback. Uh, and those things will, to your point, be different depending on where you are in your maturity, right? If you're trying to get from MVP to product market fit, then getting a couple of case studies references is invaluable, right? You you might even give away everything for free. Sure, yeah, <laughs> just to get good that. feedback and um, to get somebody to say some good stuff about you. Yeah, and then when you're mature and you're in T2D3 mode, you maybe you don't want to do that because now if you give away discounts just to get a case study that might set a precedent for all your clients to want the same, right? So maybe you don't want to do that, but then you want something else in return. Sure. Maybe it's a lock-in for you know, our commitments for the next three years, right? Um, or some kind of um, maybe a customer in a new segment uh, where you haven't gotten your beachhead yet and product market fit. That's where you do some more liberal discounting, but not for your the parts of the market where you have already uh, uh, where you're holding a strong position. So I think those what are those gives and gets? They they change based on how mature you are in the market. Um, but it's really important to to think about that balance. Uh, by the way, I never ask for a testimonial. I ask for time to allow us to interview them. Okay. Because I think you don't want to make it sound like hey, I'm asking you to, to say good things. Sure. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. But I'm asking you to invest some time. Absolutely. Give us feedback. So at the end of the day, you need to have some type of documentation around what, um, what flexibility your sales, customer success teams actually have to um, make decisions around discounts and concessions for selling the product. And what, is there any specific point where you would install something like this? I mean, I'm assuming that most most early early stage companies probably don't have this until they have, you know, a, a, a foundational sales customer success team. But have you seen a, a pattern for where at what point you would put something like this into place? Yeah, it's, I think when you as the CEO don't know exactly what's happening anymore, <laughs> then it's the right time to do this. I also like to call it the empowerment model or empowerment matrix. It's not about restricting, it's about empowering the right people in the organization to do what's needed to, to do their jobs, right? Um, and some of these things you actually want them to be able to do. If that reduces friction, improves speed of the funnel. Um, so yeah, whenever you feel that you're not, you know, you cannot count the exceptions on one hand anymore, the exceptions within the same quarter or a year, uh, it's probably time to go to think about this.